0: Some people are very conscious of making New Year's resolutions, and um, I'm guessing that the majority of people who make a New Year's resolution, that if they survive until the end of February, that's about it, um, with their own personal determination to uh, change behavior or improve something or whatever. But... I think one of the greatest gifts that God has given you and I is the freedom to choose. I mean, it's what makes us probably different from the majority of animals. We have, uh, we have a free moral choice. The problem is, what is our greatest gift is also our greatest curse, because we all make, at times, dumb choices. Have you ever made a dumb choice? Anybody here ever made a dumb choice? Now, I know it's humbling to admit it, but... Sometimes we make dumb choices. And every choice that I make is not a not always a good one and neither is yours. So often so we often waste that power that God has given us, that power of the choice. So people make new choices when which they call new year's resolutions and the problem with that is they they generally don't stick very long and and pretty soon people get tired and they give up and they stop that habit or that commitment, that new thing that they're trying to do. Friends, we need more than simple willpower. And I want to talk this morning for a few moments about the word resolve. The verb resolve means to decide, means to settle, determine, to have a purpose. And you have a purpose for your life. I have a purpose for my life. And the word resolution, like a New Year's resolution, really means a firm determination to do something. Well, I want us to go this morning through four, perhaps, of the most important choices you can make in your life, life life-shaping choices. And what I'm going to share with you today, if you will make these four choices and depend on God to help you, your life and my life will radically improve, not just this next year, but the rest of your life. The rest of your life will become the best of your life. These four choices will transform you. They'll make your life so much better if you'll focus on these four. And they come to us from the life of Moses. Now Moses was perhaps one of the greatest men in the Bible, or at least in the Old Testament for sure. Moses is the guy, you know, that led the Jews after 400 years of slavery. He led them to freedom. He challenged the greatest nation of the world at that time, Egypt and Pharaoh, And he set over a million people free. Moses is the guy that God gave the Ten Commandments to. He's the guy that wrote the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Now, why did God use this guy in such an amazing way? Because Moses made these four choices. He made four choices that altered his destiny. And these are the things that can change your life and my life. What happens to you in life is not nearly as important as the choices that you make. Now, I can't control what's going to happen to you in 2017, and you can't either. But we can control our response to the things that happen. We make our choices, and then our choices make us. And your character and my character is the sum total of our choices, So while you don't control all the circumstances in your life, you do control your choices, and these are far more important than any circumstance that you and I go through. Hebrews chapter 11, we have five verses on the life of Moses that explain the choices he made. The first verse is about the choices parents made when he was a baby. Then the next four verses are about choices that Moses made, and if we'll make these same choices will benefit dramatically for the rest of our life. Now, we all know probably the story of Moses. Pharaoh had decided that the Jews were getting too large in number. Their population was getting too much. So he made this decree that all the baby boys were to be murdered. So Moses' parents decided, we're not going to do that. We believe that Moses is a special child. How many believe that your kids are special? Amen? We all have special kids. They're special. And uh, his parents believed that Moses was special as well. We believe God has a plan and a purpose for his life. And so they were not willing to sacrifice him or kill him. So they put him in the Nile River as a baby and shoved him out in this basket. He was probably the first basket case recorded in scripture. And so they shoved him out in this basket and in the Nile River. And uh, Pharaoh's daughter was bathing nearby And she sees the baby in the basket, falls in love with this little baby. I mean, every one of us do, right? Somebody shows up with a brand new little baby. And you look at that little baby and, oh. Can you imagine? You can imagine the same thing happened here to Pharaoh's daughter. And she sees this little child. So she takes him home and she adopts him as her son. So now this baby slave becomes the grandson of Pharaoh. But nobody knows except Pharaoh's daughter that he's actually a Jewish kid. Hebrews chapter 11, on the screen it'll be from verse 24, but I want to back it up to verse 23. By faith Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child. They were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose instead to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than all the treasures of Egypt, because he was looking ahead to his reward in heaven. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. So in this passage we have four verbs, for any of you English teachers, it says Moses... By faith, Moses refused, he chose, he regarded, and he persevered. When we understand the meaning of these four verbs and their implication for our life today, thousands of years later than when Moses experienced them, it'll change our life. So let's look at these four life-changing choices that every one of us are faced with, and every one of us can decide to make it or not. But these choices will flat-out improve your life more than anything else, if we'll do what Moses did. So here's the first choice that we have to choose. We have to choose to refuse to be defined by others. We need to refuse to be defined by others. God did not make you or me to be somebody to be somebody else wants you to be. God didn't make you to be what your parents want you to be. What your girlfriend or boyfriend wants you to be. What your wife or husband wants you to be. God didn't make you to be what your boss wants you to be. What your peers want you to be. God made you to be you. And you alone. If you're going to become all you can be, you're going to have to deal with this one. I refuse to be defined by others. Mo- Hebrews 11.24, by faith Moses, when he'd grown up, that's a mark of maturity, Refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now Moses has an identity crisis. Some people have an identity crisis around midlife. And they go through all kinds of weird stuff. But Moses had an identity crisis. He was born a Hebrew slave. He was raised as Egyptian royalty. The grandson of Pharaoh. And as he grows up he's got to decide who am I. Who are you? It's going to affect the rest of his life. He's got two choices. One, he can pretend to be Pharaoh's grandson for the rest of his life and live a life of luxury. He'll have fame. He'll have fortune. He'll have all the pleasures he could possibly want in the world. He'll be a celebrity. He'll have power. He'll have prestige. He'll have status. And one day he'll be the most powerful man on the planet. Or he can admit who he really is. He's Jewish. At that point... They're going to kick him out. He's going to live with the slaves the rest of his life. He's going to be disgraced. He's going to be humiliated. He's going to live a life of pain and sorrow and drudgery the rest of his life. Moses had a choice. Which one would you do? I mean, think about it. We've all seen the movie, whether it be the cartoon or whatever. We've seen the movie of of Moses and this whole scenario. Moses refused to live a lie. He's a man of integrity. Now, I know there was some situations and circumstances which helped him to make that choice. Like killing an Egyptian. And uh, where he had to choose who he's going to side with. Many people are living lies today. They're trying to be people they're not. You're trying to impress people about things that really aren't true in your life. And that causes enormous tension and pressure in your life. He insisted on being what God made him to be against all kinds of... Of peer pressure. My first question to you this morning is this Who are you letting determine your identity? Who are you letting determine your identity? Your friends, your parents, your family. Some of you have parents that died years ago, and you're still hearing their voices in your head. You're trying to live up to their vision for your life. Or some instructor or some person you value, whatever. You're trying to live out what some maybe ex husband or ex wife said to you, and you're trying to prove them wrong. You're letting them control your life. Some relationship in the past. Some of you are trying to impress people. You're living a life of culture to keep up with the Joneses. Impress people. <coughs> Excuse me. Social media. Or what culture says or what the competition says. Notice Romans twelve two. Don't let the world around you one translation says squeeze you into its mould. But let God remould your mind from within. So you may prove in practice that the plan of God for you is good. The plan of God for you is good. I remember graduating from graduating from high school. Well, let's rephrase that. Leaving high school. And uh, I wanted to join the Air Force because... I thought that would be a great way to become a pilot, and I wanted to become a pilot, and uh, eventually maybe be a missionary pilot, and fly a little plane either up into the Northwest Territories or whatever, or maybe some, you know, third world country, so I thought the easiest way would be to join the Air Force, they'd teach me how to fly, and uh, everything would be good until I I went and inquired, and you had to sign on for five years. Now, when you're just out of high school, five years is an eternity. And I thought, five years, well, maybe I could leave early. No, once you enroll, if you want to leave early, they told me I had to buy my way out because of the education that they were going to give me. So that was out. So then um, it just seemed that one thing led to another, and God directed me to go to Bible college. And so I said, th- okay, I'll go to Bible school, and uh, that should be good for a year. And uh, then maybe I can go and take some flying lessons and become a pilot. And the closest I got to becoming a pilot was in our first church in uh, Watson Lake, Yukon. I worked at the tail end of an edger in an outdoor sawmill, And I piled it here, and I piled it there. And that's about where my pilot career ended. But um, God has a plan, and God has a purpose, and you don't always know it all initially, but as you follow and direct where God leads, and, and he opens things up for you, and I one time even asked my parents if they ever thought that I would become a pastor and uh, my dad said no. He never thought that. It wasn't as if that was something they were aspiring or my dad wasn't a minister. He was close as he got to. He was a board member for many, many years and worked on churches but never, never got to be there. I, I, I don't even think I ever he- heard my dad sing in church. Um, he would sometimes clap his hands and uh, being raised Lutheran, sometimes he would raise them um, to about here. But um, never was really, you know, outgoing or anything like that. My mom was very quiet because she was born hard of hearing. And so my parents were not a couple that you could say, oh, yeah, two of their sons will go in the ministry and be pastors. No, you wouldn't probably think that. And yet, um, I don't know for sure, but I know from my mother, their secret prayer, and her secret prayer always was, God, if you'll give me sons, I'll give them to you. I'll give them to you. And it's interesting how your life goes and, and how when you, but you still have to make choices in life. And as a young person, there's a lot of things that people would encourage you and want you to become a part of and do. And we have to decide that other people and what they want is not going to define who we are. And young people here today, you've got to have the same choices everyone else has to make. Don't let those around you define who you are, but begin to learn and understand who is that God has made you to be. Don't live out what other people are saying. Romans chapter 12, we read, Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold. The plan of God for you is good. But what if you don't know the plan of God? If you don't deal with this and say, I'm going to refuse to let the world squeeze me into its mold, I'm not going to let other people define me, How do we discover the plan of God? Well, there are some things we can do and some things we shouldn't do. Exodus 23, verse 2 says, Don't follow the crowd in doing wrong. How many here have ever done something wrong? Anybody? How many have ever done something wrong because you followed the crowd? Mine's up too. Well, the Bible says, Don't follow the crowd. In doing wrong, in other words, don't let peer pressure push you into things you don't want to do. I mean, they don't really like you anyway. Those people you're trying to impress, they don't really care about you long term. The Bible says this. Our purpose is to please God, not people. He is the one who examines the motives of our heart. It's God that does that. And so our purpose is to please God and not people. John chapter 17 verse 16 says... There are no more, they are, Jesus said, of his disciples, they're really no more defined by the world than I am defined by the world. Different translation of what's on the screen. They're no more defined by the world than I am defined by the world. I mean, can you say that about you? Perhaps not, because you've been defined by other people in your life. And this is so important that we can't deal with anything else until we deal with this one, because when you know who you are, It sets you free from the fear of disapproval. When you know who you are, it sets you free from the fear of disapproval. Most people are scared to death of criticism, rejection, and disapproval. Rejection is a difficult thing to face and go through. Envy says, I must be like you to be happy. And people-pleasing says, I must be liked by you to be happy. Both of them are wrong, and both of them will keep you from fulfilling the life God intended for you to live. You have to say, I am going to resolve that I will refuse to be defined by other people. I'm not going to let other people's approval or disapproval shape my life. In fact, you could simplify and put it this way, as somebody put it. I'm going to live for the audience of one. I'm going to live for the audience of one. And his name is Jesus. I'm going to live for him. And that's what Moses did. And our first life-shaping choice is to say, I resolve that no more will I let other people press me into their mold. I'm going to do what God wants me to be. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. And I'm going to fulfill the plan that God has for my life. Not somebody else's plan for my life. I remember when our son was... Graduating from high school, and he applied to the UC for engineering. And I thought, yeah. Because I figured, you know, engineers, and he was going to go into engineering. Maybe he'd make lots of money and could support his mom and dad when they got older. Until one day, just prior to university starting, and he had been accepted into the program, he came and he said, no, I'm going to go to Bible school. And I had a mixed feeling I thought well that's that's exciting and we never pushed him to go to Bible college but um, I thought okay that's that's cool um, so much for the money end of it but anyway um, he went and um, you know a lot a lot of things occurred in his life and and uh, for one for one season he was working on staff with us here and it was all great, but it was never one of the things where we you know, we went to Bible school. My wife's parents went to Bible school. Um, you know, some of her siblings went to Bible school. So you should go to Bible school. Never. Because always uh, praying, God, you direct, you lead, you guide. And uh, we need to trust in God. Don't let somebody else's plan for your life set that direction if it isn't what God wants. The Bible says in Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Friends, real success in life is being exactly who you were created to be and nothing more than that. Be who you were created to be. Real success. And as your pastor, really, I want you to succeed in the rest of your life. And the only way you're going to do that is to be who God made you to be, not what other people are pressuring you to be, not what they want you to be, being who God wants you to be refuse to be defined by others. Now, friends, that is, there's nothing wrong with parents aspiring for their kids to do well and praying they do well, and they make good choices. And I, I would hope, too, that as you recognize the personality and the makeup of your kids, that you can, um, in a sense, encourage them in the areas where they would be gifted and talented and, and, and be able to function. But never saying, you, you must, you need, you allow the Lord to guide them and you be there to assist and to encourage. Second choice that you need to make in life to be all that God wants you to be, a life-changing choice is this. Now this one's a little, little difficult for every one of us because we, we face it often. Short-term pain for long-term gain. Short-term pain for long-term gain. Anybody who's ever played sports knows this one. You've got to put out the effort. You've got to practice. You've got to work hard. You've got to put some sweat in order to play in a championship game. You don't just walk out and win the championship. No pain, no gain. You've got to put out to get back. If you're going to be good at anything, you've got to put out short-term pain for long-term gain. Now, it's, <clears throat> that's not just true in sports. It's true in finances. It's true in relationships. You have a good marriage because you worked at it. It didn't come easy. No one just has an easy relationship. you got to work at it. You've got to make your marriage work. you got to go into that marriage deciding that this is for life. Until death us part. Not debt. Until death us This is it. There's no other option you know and we're we're going to make this thing work so you put out this short-term pain for long-term gain now why is this choice important in your life because most of the problems in your life come from your inability now remember this and listen to this our inability to delay gratification our inability to delay gratification everything in society teaches us i want everything i want it now i want it free I want it easy. Life isn't that way. So every problem in your life comes from your inability to put off the pleasure in order to get a longer amount of it later on. I want it now, I want it free, and I want it easy. The reason people are in debt often is because of their inability to delay gratification. Because you say, I see it, I want it now. Do I have the money for it? No. Can I afford it? No. So I'm going to charge it. I'm going to rack it up. Every time we use a credit card to buy something you can't afford, you're refusing to delay gratification. And you get deeper and deeper in debt. The reason our province and our nation is falling off a fiscal cliff is because our government doesn't know how to delay gratification. We want it all. We want it all now, even though we can't pay for it. Somebody wants this. We'll get votes, whatever, so we do this. This is true physically in our health. I don't want to pay for good health with exercise and proper diet and getting the right amount of sleep, and my wife says amen. I just want to do whatever I want to do and feel good. Friends, it isn't going to happen. You're going to feel bad if you don't do the pain to get the gain. It's true in relationships. People say, I don't want to follow what God says about sex. I want to have sex now. I'm not married, but I want sex now. It causes problems in relationships. Because when you have sex with somebody, you give part of your heart, part of your life away. There's an emotional attachment, and you keep giving part of yourself away. It causes spiritual problems. Would you agree with me that usually the right thing to do is not the easy thing to do? The right thing is not always easy. The easy thing to do is typically the wrong thing to do the right thing to do is usually the hard thing the painful thing if somebody hurts me the easy thing to do is to try to hurt them back that's the reaction that's the easy thing the right thing to do is to forgive them but that's not easy and it's not painless it's painful to forgive i don't want to let it go i don't want to forgive them i want to carry a grudge the right thing is often the hard thing to do and here's what happened with moses Moses made a choice. Verse 25 says, Moses chose to be mistreated. Now that's painful. Along with the people of God as a slave, rather than to enjoy in the palace of Pharaoh the pleasures of sin for a short time. You know what is so great about the Bible? It tells you the truth. It tells you the truth. It doesn't gloss over anything. In that verse it says, rather than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time, friends, sin is fun. Pleasures of sin for a short time. Sin is fun. Even the Bible admits it. Nobody would do sin if it were painful. They do sin because it's fun. It's pleasurable. It's pleasurable to break the law and speed. Just a few more kilometers over the limit. I think there's a, you know, there's a, a buffer that the law enforcement give for speeding. Now maybe I can just on my Harley push it a little bit further, Craig, right? Maybe just a little more. It's fun. It's pleasurable to eat too much. It's pleasurable to do all kinds of things that are not good for you. Even the Bible says it. But it says, pleasure of sin for a season. It's short term. It's short term. You can go out and have your kicks. God's not going to stop you. But you will have kickbacks. You will. You can go out and do whatever you want to. But then there are consequences. You are free. God has given you free choice to make any choice you want but you're not free from the consequences of those choices. The moment you make that choice, you're no longer free. So you better make good choices because you can't can't choose the choice and not choose the consequence. They go hand in hand. He says he chose to be mistreated, the short-term pain for the long-term gain of doing the right thing. Verse 23 God chooses Moses when he's a baby. He said, this guy I'm going to use. In verse 24, Moses had to choose God. Friends, God has chosen you. Have you chosen him? Verse 24, we see Moses refusing. And in verse 25, we see Moses choosing. The negative is followed by a positive. Before you can make some resolutions or choices, you may have to do some refusing and then do some choosing. The Christian life is not just a matter of refusing. It's saying, I refuse to do this, but I choose to do this. It's a mark of responsibility. You ever notice earlier when it said when he had grown up, he refused and he chose? He did the refusing and the choosing when he'd grown up. The mark of responsibility. Question, where do you need to start accepting responsibility for your life? Where do we need to start accepting responsibility for our life? Who are you blaming for your unhappiness? If I just had a different wife? Really? If I just had a different husband? Oh. If I just hadn't grown up in the family I did? Really? If I could just get married? If we could just have a baby? If I just had a job? If I just lived in Hawaii. Who are you blaming? What are you blaming for your unhappiness? You are as happy and I am as happy as I choose to be. Because happiness is a choice. And so is being close to God. You are as close to God as you choose to be. If you're not close to God, guess who moved? God didn't move. God wants to be close to you and I. And if we're not close to God, it's because we have chosen to not be close to God. We've got to make the choice. The fact is, it says when he had grown up, he refused and he chose. When are we going to grow up spiritually? We cannot live off of somebody else's spiritual commitment. My parents loved the Lord. But if I were still living my life based on my parents' commitment, I'd be in deep trouble right now. Because that's not enough commitment to get a grown man through life. At some point, my parents' faith had to either become my faith or not. You cannot depend on anybody else for your spiritual commitment. Husbands could say, and I've heard them say, My wife is a committed Christian. So what? What? You think that's going to give you some ticket into heaven because your wife is a committed Christian? Of course not. You need to man up and make your own commitment. It's a personal decision. Now when Moses had grown up, he started accepting responsibility for his own spiritual growth. And whether you're male, female, young, old, teenager, young person, we all have to make our own spiritual commitment. Have you made your own spiritual commitment. You can't blame anybody else for the direction of your life. If it sucks, it's because you're letting it suck. It's your choice. Let me be really clear. Uh, may, maybe, maybe too hard. I, I'm not, please, whatever. We're products of our past, but we don't have to be prisoners of our past. Yes, we're all products of our past. But we don't have to be a prisoner of our past. Yes, our past has influenced us. But it doesn't control us. My past for years and years influenced me. And some days I still have to choose not to let it influence me. Not as if it's totally gone. My past is my past. But I have to choose to not allow it to imprison me in my present or my future. And many of the things I experienced as a child made me very susceptible to people's approval. I wanted people's approval. Church, I want you to like me. Now, who doesn't want someone to like them? I don't think any of us walk out of our house heading out, I want people to hate me today. I want to be rejected. I want to be maligned. I don't think so. But sometimes we allow our choices to be the wrong choices because... We're looking for approval from men rather than from God. We're products of our past. But we don't have to be prisoners of our past. Because we have the power of choice. Nobody can ruin your life except you. People don't have the power to ruin you. They can hurt you. They can harm you. They can scar you. But they cannot ruin you unless you allow them to do it. You accept responsibility and say, I'm going to choose short-term pain for long-term gain. Let me say to any young people here today, maybe this will be the most encouraging thing I can tell you. You're going to have pain in life. You're going to have pain in life. Now or later. You can either do the easy thing now it's easy life now, going along with the crowd and do the hard thing later. Or you can put in the effort and the discipline to learn, to grow, to become strong, to become mature, and do the hard thing now and later in life get to benefit from all of those hard choices. You can do the easy thing now and the hard thing later or the hard thing now and the easy thing later. But you're going to have pain. Now, there are a couple of promises from God about pain. The first thing God says is even the pain you go through, it's going to help you grow. Romans chapter 5 and verse 3. We can have joy even in our troubles because we know that these troubles produce patience. Patience produces character, and character produces hope. So I even know when I'm going through short-term pain, it's producing character in my life. On Saturday at our men's breakfast, I want to talk to the men about a series I want us to go through in our life group, and it's about being men of character. So ladies, you want your husband to be a man of greater character, kick him out of the house Tuesday night. Um, not this Tuesday, but Saturday for sure, we're going to introduce it, and then uh, we'll announce as we're starting this series on how to be men of character, from men within scripture, learning from them, and how can we instill some of these principles, because really, friends, it's about character. And God wants to build our character, not so much our comfort, but our character, Second thing I know God promised us is he's going to reward us for the pain we're going through in heaven. So even though we're going through short-term pain, it's going to produce character. And he said he's going to reward us in heaven. Second Corinthians 4.17 Yet these present troubles that we're going through are quite small and won't last very long. Even if they lasted our entire life. That's only 90 years or so compared to the trillions of years in eternity. Yet they produce... Problems are productive. They produce for us an immeasurably great glory that will last forever. We're going to have eternity to celebrate. Short-term pain for long-term gain, because God's more interested in our character than our comfort. Now, why am I going through all of these problems in life? God is developing our character. And there's long-term gain for the short-term pain. Verse 18 of 2 Corinthians 4 says, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. What is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. The problems that you and I are looking at right now in our life, and there's probably many, financial, relational, physical, emotional, mental, you name it. We see all these problems, but they aren't going to last. That's what we ought to cheer. They aren't going to last. What's going to last is the character that we develop from going through them. What's going to last is my trust in God. What's going to last is the reward that I get from putting my faith in Christ when I'm going through these problems. So what do I do? Well, we're going to refuse to let ourselves be defined by other people. We're going to choose short-term pain for long-term gain. And thirdly, Moses did this other third life-shaping choice. We're going to choose God's values not the world's. Choose God's values, not the world's. Moses did this in Hebrews eleven twenty-six. Moses regarded, and that word regarded means to evaluate, consider, weigh in the balance. He's making a value judgment. He's clarifying what matters most. Moses regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ, in other words, to be treated like a slave as of greater value, there's a value judgment, than the treasure of Egypt. He would have been the heir of all the treasure of Egypt as Pharaoh's grandson because he was looking ahead to his reward long term gain. Going to have short term pain, long term gain. He's making a valued judgment and he clarifies what matters most. Let me ask you another question What matters most in your life? What are your top three, four, or five values in your life? Can you name them just like bang, 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 bang? Can you name your top values in life? What are the most important values in my life? If you ask me, I'd tell you very simply, my three top values are integrity, humility, and generosity. Integrity, humility, and generosity, because I decided a long time ago that I wanted to build my life on integrity, humility, and generosity. I'm not there, but that's what I want to build my life on. Integrity, humility, and generosity. They're the antidotes of three traps of leadership. They're the antidotes of traps of leadership. Can you just name three most important values in your life right now? I mean, if you were to, write, to back your bulletin write down, there are three most important values in your life. What are they? Can you name them? If you can't, you certainly can't live by them. And you're not living your values if you cannot even name them. And you need to sit down and say, what's most important to me? And there's a time maybe it's... I, don't know, maybe, maybe, I mean, your kids are they're sort of a value, but sometimes everything goes into our kids and we don't develop our own character. What God wants to be of us. And I'm not saying our kids shouldn't be important. Of course they should be. But what are the values... That you are valuing in your life. Moses chose God's values over the world's values. Why is this so important? I'll tell you why. A little secret. If you don't decide what's important in your life. Other people are going to decide for you. If you don't decide. Other people are going to decide for you. They're going to push you into their mold. And you're going to live their values. Not yours. We've got to decide what's important to me. And then live by those values, not live by other people's values. Moses said, I'm not going to live by the world's values. What are the world's values? They're the same ones the world has valued throughout history. Every every single advertisement is built on the three values of the world. Passion, possession, position. Or money, sex, and power. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life they haven't changed in thousands and thousands of years we see them in these three verses verse 24 we see the world the world values popularity power and prestige verse 25 of hebrews there we see the world values pleasures the pleasure of sin verse 26 we see the world values possessions the treasures of egypt moses walks away from the very things that we spend our entire life trying to get We want the world's treasure. We want the world's pleasure. We want the world's measure of success. Moses walked away from it. I want to look good. I want to feel good. I want to have the goods. I want to be famous. I want to be rich. I want to have fun. That's the world's value system. Pleasure, passion, position, popularity, possessions. But it's ironic. By Moses' standards, he had it made. In Pharaoh's house, he would have all those things. There would have been no one else wealthier in the world, nobody more important. He walks away from the ultimate dream. He walks away from what most people spend their entire life trying to get. Why? Because he knew it wouldn't last. 1 John 2.17 The world and everything that's in it, that people desire, is passing away. Those who do the will of God live forever. So if the wise way to live is to live not by the world's value system but by God's value system what does God value? Now friends please understand I have nothing wrong I'm not against anybody having things or having wealth or having nice clothes the issue may get when those things have you who possesses who? I think we serve a God who Loves to bless. And God loves his kids. And he loves to bless his kids. These verses about Moses tell us some things that God values. God values purpose more than popularity. You want to value? Value purpose more than popularity. Doing God's purpose for your life is far more important than being popular. As Pharaoh's grandson, Moses is heir to the throne. He's a celebrity. He's a young playboy. He's famous. He's Pharaoh's grandson. Never invest one second of your life trying to be famous because it doesn't last. We know how quickly it fades when one great athlete, you know, is successful. Go back a few years and try to remember some of the athletes who... Did so well at the Olympics or whatever. It fades. Does anybody remember who was on the cover of People magazine two weeks ago? That's how quick. One minute you're a hero and the next minute you're a zero. Remember when you were in high school how important it was for you to be popular? Any of these people actually care about you today? Doubtful. Doubtful. In fact, when you were on campus, you were trying to be the big man on campus, or the beauty queen, or president of the whatever club. You wanted to be in the in crowd. You wanted to be popular. You could graduate from that high school, go back two years later, walk on the campus, and people would go, Who are you? Who are you? Oh, that's my picture up there. Oh, it doesn't look like you. You sure aged. That's how long it lasts. You're trying to win the favor of people who don't even care. So don't waste your time on popularity or trying to be famous. Because God's purpose, doing God's purpose for your life is far more important than being popular. So, people over popularity. And another value of God's is a is, is, um, rather purpose over popularity. A second one is people are more valuable than pleasure. People. Jesus died for people. Not things. Moses decides that freeing those slaves is far more important than living the life of luxury in Pharaoh's palace. He trades a royal lifestyle in order to help the neediest of the needy, slaves. When you give to missions sacrificially, you value people more than pleasure. When you give to... Somebody down on, whether it be Dream Center, Mustard Seed, or when we send money down. In fact, the Orphanage in Kalima is celebrating 25 years of existence, and for almost those 25 years, this church has supported that orphanage in Kalima. And you give to those who have no way of getting ahead in life, or whatever, and you give sacrificially. People are more valuable than pleasure. Another value of the Lord's is peace of mind is more valuable than possessions. Peace of mind is more valuable than possessions. One thing I've discovered living on an acreage, some people say it's always cheaper to live on an acreage, and so when we moved out on the acreage 20, 25 years ago or whatever it's been, and so, you know, once you get on there, you need, a, you need a lawnmower. But you don't just need a lawnmower, now you need a ride-on lawnmower. And then in the wintertime, you need to plow from that ride-on lawnmower to plow your driveway. And then you need a, a weed eater, and then you need a, a, a blower, and then you need this, and then you need that. And the other, and then you get all these things, then they start to break down. There's more time spent fixing things that are broke down. How many of you have had a vehicle or something break down in the last little while? Not a pain in the butt. That's where your wallet is, right? I mean, things just break down. I'm looking forward to us getting things done, our house on the market, sell the house, downsize to a smaller house, get rid of a lot of stuff, which we already to get rid of a lot of stuff. And I can just see already that the less stuff, the greater peace of mind. You could have a house stuffed full of possessions, and if there's antagonism and anger and disappointment and discouragement in the house, peace of mind is far more valuable than stuff, right? You walk in the house, and, and you got to throw your hat in first to see if it's safe to come in, guys. you got an issue. Maybe providing a lot of stuff, whatever, but peace of mind beats it hands down way better. Where do we get peace of mind? Doing the will of God. Advertisements lie. They tell you that you can buy peace of mind. You can't. You know why people buy things? I'm discovering this. Because when you buy something, it gives you this temporary high, this temporary happiness. You ever noticed, how long does it take any one of us, kids included, to get um, disinterested in their latest Christmas present? How long does it take for that latest gadget or whatever? It just wears off. It gives you this temporary happiness when you buy a new car or you buy an iPad or you get a new video game. You love that and you feel happy for a while. That new car smell, oh, there's nothing like it until it breaks down. After a while, it wears off. Why? Because people change and things don't. So we get bored with things that don't change. That's why we have to redecorate. That piece of art you just thought was so cool and beautiful and brought you so much pleasure, five years later, you go, why did I buy that? Can't we do something else with this? Why? Because possessions don't give ultimate pleasure. Nothing wrong with with pictures and art. But they can't give you peace of mind. You can't buy it. Peace of mind comes from doing the will of God. And only from doing the will. Moses gave up what everybody else spends their lives trying to get. Success, fame, power, money. In order to do God's will. Because Moses was looking ahead to his reward. Vision sets value. What you're looking at will determine what you value. If you keep your eyes on Jesus, that's what you're going to value. If you keep your eyes on the internet catalog, that's what you're going to value. Vision sets value. The fourth, last life-shaping choice Moses made. He said, I choose to live by faith rather than by fear. We make this choice and keep it. It'll change your life dramatically for the rest of your life. (laughs) Hebrews 11.22. By faith, Moses left Egypt. In other words, with all the slaves. Not fearing the king's anger at all. That's Pharaoh's anger. Faith. Not fearing. You're going to live by one or the other. You're going to live by faith in life or you're going to live by fear in life. By faith, Moses left Egypt. Not fearing the king's anger he persevered because he saw him who is invisible, and that's Christ. Moses goes to the most powerful man in the world, and he says, you know those slaves that you're building, that are building all your pyramids? I'm taking them, and we're leaving. Other words, but we're packing up, and we're leaving, and you're not going to have slave labor anymore. Let my people go. Moses had every reason to be afraid, because he's going up against the most powerful man on the planet at this point. Pharaoh's Egyptian empire is the most powerful empire. Pharaoh in those days was considered a God. And whatever Pharaoh said, you had to do. If Pharaoh said, cut your right arm off, you had to cut your right arm off. If Pharaoh said, murder your kids, you murdered your kids. If Pharaoh said, you got to drown your children, you got to drown them. When he, What he said was law. And Moses comes and says, we aren't going to do that anymore. I'm going to choose to live by faith and not by fear. We're leaving. We're out of here. Goodbye. And Pharaoh goes, you and who else? And Moses goes, I'm not not afraid of you because I report to a higher authority. Now he didn't stand there and say those specific words, but that's his attitude. And the closer you get to God, the less fear you're going to have in your life. The farther you get away from God, the more you're going to be filled with fear. Because the closer you get to God, The more you're filled with faith. I cannot overemphasize the importance of faith for the rest of your life. The Bible says, whatever is not of faith is sin. How many times did you sin this week? Whatever is not of faith is sin. Because anything we did that wasn't done in faith, we did it in doubt, was sin. The Bible says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. How many times did you please God this week? How many times did you exercise faith and trust? God does not listen to your complaints. Not that he doesn't listen. He hears us. He listens to our faith. You want something to change in your life? Stop complaining and start believing. Stop complaining and start believing. God is not moved other than by our faith. According to your faith, the Bible says, it'll be done to you. You get to choose what he does in your life. It is so important that we live by faith. Here's the key. What matters is not the size of your faith, but the size of the God you put it in. How big is our God? How great is our God? He's great, amen? And we put our faith in a great God. A little faith in a big God gets big results. Who you put your faith in makes a difference. Everybody has faith. Everybody. Even an atheist has faith. You can't live in a world without faith. Somebody said there's no atheist in a foxhole. That's true. You had faith when you came in. You sat down on that chair that it will hold you up. When you get in your car, you drive home, you're going to go through an intersection and there's going to be red lights stopping other cars and you're going to have faith that they are going to abide by the law. You're not going to go very carefully and so you're going to creep through that. No, you're going to have faith that they're going to stop at the red light. Everybody has faith. It's just what you put it in. The key is to put it in Jesus Christ. There are people who live their lives by fear and they're all afraid of the fear of rejection remember Bethany Hamilton the young surfer girl remember that young 14 year old girl lost her arm some years ago surfing in Hawaii a shark comes and bites her left arm off they told her she'd never compete again in fact that she'd never get in the water again because she was afraid Bethany faced her fears she got back in the water became a champion surfer friends some of you you need to get back in the water You need to get back in the water. You've been scared to death. You got bit, you got burned, you got hurt. Maybe by a relationship. You need to get back in the water. You need to live by faith and not fear. You need to say, I'm not going to let fear dominate my life. I'm not going to be filled. I'm I'm, going to be filled with faith instead. And I'm going to put that faith not just in myself, but in God. And if you put your faith in somebody else, you're going to be severely disappointed. Everybody's going to let you down eventually. Galatians says no one can please God by simply obeying the law. Why? Because we're not perfect. So we put our faith in Jesus Christ and God accepted us because of our faith. Have you done that? Have you put your faith in Jesus Christ? If you haven't, you need to do that. That's the very first thing you need to do before you go any further. Put your faith in Jesus Christ. We all know that keeping Resolutions is a whole lot harder than making them. So, why do you keep these life changing choices? How do you keep them? And then I close. Number one, you need support. Every one of us needs support to keep choices, resolutions, whatever you want to call them. We were not made to go through life on our own. We need to be a part of a small group, life group, part of a church that supports your goals and your choices in life. It's like climbing Mount Everest. Nobody climbed Mount Everest by themselves. Nobody. There was a team. And we all need help. We all need someone to go with us. It's like one time I was, some years ago now, visiting just a casual attender of the church that come for a little while and no one really got to know them because they never really hung around as soon as the service was over they were gone and a person was in the hospital and so i noticed they weren't there and i went to see them and i walked in and he said finally somebody from the church came to see me i knew this was going to be a great visit i've had similar conversations since and uh I wanted to really tell him the truth, but, I mean, nobody, he didn't really let anybody know. He had no relationships. He had never really attempted or really reciprocated anybody approaching him or, or coming to a midweek Bible study or getting to know other people or anything. And so I, I'm thinking back now over time and other people like that, and I'm saying it was really their fault. It's really their fault. They have no one to blame but themselves. They hadn't made any relationships, hadn't joined any small group hadn't made any connections, hadn't made any attempt at all to get to know anybody, came in late, left early. If you wanted to say hi or if you'd run out in the parking lot to talk to them. I know some people are shy, but then don't lay it on somebody else. Why didn't you call me? Why didn't you... Get over yourself. Come on now. Be part of something. and That's why I think it's great if there's times that... We have in the church where he ask you to go pray for somebody. You know, go and stand there with somebody else if you're nervous to pray out loud. At least agree with them. Shake a hand or give a smile. Or I know sometimes it's hard and everybody is not the same personality like me. And so you should be thankful you're not like me. But, but sometimes we just need to make a connection. We just need to make some kind of a relationship. We can't do this thing called life on our own. Hebrews 10.24, let us be concerned for one another and help one another. Show love, do good. Don't give up on the habit of meeting together. Let's not give up the habit of meeting together as some are doing. Instead, let us encourage each other the more. The more. Friends, Moses resolved to not let people define him anymore. Resolved to choose short-term pain to get long-term gain. Live the rest of his life by God's values, the rest of his life as best as he knew how, by faith and by fear. If you haven't yet, will you start your life of faith this morning by inviting Jesus Christ to come into your heart and forgiving you of your sin and turning from your ways, desiring to follow him as best you know how and as you follow the scriptures. Father, as we pray, concluding prayer this morning, I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, that as we are embarking on a We're into this new year and we can all make some great choices. And may we understand that we can make some choices similar to Moses. Not be defined by what other people think about us. And where we can come and we can live a life by faith and not by fear of rejection or what others may place on us. But we know that you have a plan and purpose for our life. And the first plan is that you're not willing any should perish but all should come to repentance. Lord, I thank you that every person here has the opportunity to invite you into their life and ask you to forgive them of their sin and be cleansed clean according to Scripture and to turn from that lifestyle, to repent, turn away, and begin to follow you. I wonder if you're here this morning and that's a decision you want to make. Invite Christ into your life and begin your life all over again with Jesus Christ. And you just raise your hand up and down and say, Pastor, would you pray for me as we conclude because I want to start my life with Jesus Christ. Just hand up and down. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, yes. Anybody else? Father, we're so glad that it's you who speaks to our hearts, challenges us, provides us the answer and the strength and the ability to make the difficult choices in life. I thank you for each person here, or every family represented, those that indicated by upraised hand that this is a day that they want you to transform and change their life and be free of their past and be forgiven for their present now and their future. I ask, Lord, that you would make yourself real to them, I pray this in Jesus' name. Every family here, we pray, God, your blessing upon them. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you, be gracious to you, lift up his countenance on you, and give you peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Don't forget, men, to sign up for the men's breakfast. And if any of the youth didn't uh, happen to talk to... uh, uh, Pastor Roger and Megan last week about. Uh, the girls start this week. The girls start this week, yeah. this Tuesday at.